Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Castellin, the French football podcast with the accent. My name is Jeremy Magan, the usual host in this podcast of course is brought to you by Breaking the Lines. Uh, jump on the Breaking the Lines podcast to hear from I guess the best leagues in Europe, uh, Corta Linias to listen to Portuguese Football Aera Gore is focusing on Italian football, of course, and also jump on the Breaking the Lines website to read the latest article from our expert, whether it's uh, an analysis of uh, Thomas Suchek at West Ham and I guess his, his trouble recently, uh, to what's going on with Borussia Dortmund and, and uh, Borussia Dortmund, excuse me, and their uh, struggles in attack despite getting some, some pretty strong players, whether it's Modest or Abeyemi. Uh, last um, but not least, read that article about Shakhtar's new uh, star up front. I don't want to kill his name, uh, but Mikhailo Mudrik is his name and he is definitely making some waves in Eastern Europe. Today in Kasselin, two parts as uh, usual, or I guess um, back to what is the usual. We didn't do that a couple of weeks ago with Baptiste. Uh, two parts in part two. We'll talk about the 10 games of the weekend uh, and, and Marseille, Paris and Lens still being undefeated and on the other way around Strasbourg still after their first win. Uh, and in part one, we'll talk about Lyon and, and Lyon having their issues at the beginning of the season and, you know, instead of just talking about how they just don't play well, I wanted to get a bit of context. So I got in a friend of mine, his name is, uh, is Samuel, he is the most devoted Lyon fan outside of the Rhone region uh, and he lives in Australia in Brisbane, not too far from, from where I am uh, and it's great to have him and you could, you, you're going to see when you listen to it uh, that you can tell that there was a bit of frustration that needed to air out and I'm glad that he aired it out uh, with us. So anyway, part one will be about Lyon, part two will be about French football in general and, and round nine of this uh, this season another six rounds and uh, and is the international seven rounds sorry and is the international break for the world cup uh, so it's uh, it's almost coming to an end already the the first part of Ligue 1 anyway uh, the Ligue 1 podcast starts now casse les lignes but first as usual music So here we are to talk about Olympique Lyonnais in part one of the Castellelline podcast. And I'm with uh, my friend Samuel, the other Australian of this podcast in, in recent years. Uh, Sam Oz OL1950, if you follow him on Twitter, he's, uh, he's got this little fame uh, in French football Twitter and, and in Lyon Twitter, of course. How are you, mate? I'm going good, mate. How are you? Very good. It's great to have you back on the pod, mate. I'm sorry that I get you in when... We don't necessarily talk in, in good terms about Olympique Lyonnais, <laughs> but I thought this beginning of the season deserves some contest and deserves, uh, you know, somebody who, who really follows the, the club to, to talk about it. Before I ask you a, a few questions about Lyon, uh, let's just quickly go to the results um, so far for Lyon. So we've played nine games in Ligue 1, right? Everyone has. Uh, and Lyon yeah. started all right, um, although, mind you, they played against... I guess the smaller teams, 2-1 against Ajaccio was the season opener, then 4-1 against Troyes, a draw in Reims, 1-1. Of course, there was that game that was supposed to be played in Lorient um, that was delayed, um, which was supposed to be the, the second game. Uh, then Lyon beat Auxerre at home, 2-1, smashed Angers at home, 5-0. 
And since then, uh, there was uh, the, the trip to Lorient midweek was a 3-1 loss. Then they lost to Monaco 2-1. They lost to Paris at home 1-0, which is a bit more, uh, I guess, understandable. And then um, last night, um, we were, um, were recording on a Monday night in Australia here. So this morning, technically, um, at Lens, Stade Bollard, a 1-0 loss again. So four straight loss after five games undefeated. Uh, and we find Lyon now seventh on the uh, table, eight points away from Lens, who's fourth. Uh, but still, obviously, uh, a long way away from relegation, six points uh, away from Reims, who's 17th right now. I don't think we talk about relegation when it comes to Lyon. Uh, <laughs> but we, we, you know, but we are right now uh, not necessarily talking about top of the table either. Although, as, as I just told you offline, um, I guess I was I was rather optimistic when when I saw the work that Lyon did uh, in the offseason. I'm not talking about the the comments from Bruno Chero, which I think were a bit stupid, but the fact that the job was still done early, that you you got Lacazette coming quite early into the um, into the transfer window, um, you know Kakere resigning, Tolisso coming in. Uh, obviously, the the one thing that wasn't done was finding another centre back. Uh, but besides that, I didn't mind um, the, the off-season for Lyon, and, and yet it doesn't seem to to gel well. Uh, I guess tell me a little bit about you know how you went through the off-season yourself uh, as a Lyon fan, and and how you're going through that last patch of of games. Yeah, I guess I'm um, starting with the off-season. There was, and I think there was a little baggage left over from um, the previous season where we. You know, didn't perform to the expectations or to the fans' expectations, at least. We, the the leaders' expectations of the club seem to be another story. But um, so I guess there was a lot of cautious optimism amongst myself and a lot of the fans. And once the transfer window started, I, I guess there was a lot looming on departures. Departures were a big thing for us this season. Uh, we had a lot of dead wood a lot of players that weren't getting game time and were obviously not in the plans of Peter Bosch. Um, however, we we knew it was going to be hard because those a lot of those players weren't desirable and um, it's getting more and more increasingly harder, more difficult to get rid of Deadwood players, you know, in the sport generally. Um, you know, it's not, it's gone of the seasons where, um, clubs were willing to take a risk on a player that doesn't work out. It seems once you don't work out, that's it. It's, you know, there's so much competition for places now. So um, guys like Cadawere, um, Dembele, uh, even though Dembele had some form, it was it's still not enough to attract those big clubs. So I guess departures were a big thing for us. And I think a lot of us well, uh, were scared that, you know, some of our big names are going to go, like i.e. Paqueta, um, who did eventually go late. Um, so starting off with the arrivals, it was a good sign. It was good seeing Lacazette, Tolisso committing early and really, um, I guess, displaying that that love for the club, which seemed to have gone um, in the last seasons or so. We've um, kind of become a bit of a mercenary. A lot of the players seem to be mercenaries. Um it's a harsh label, but you know they come for two seasons and leave. That's kind of been the the, the vibe that we've we've been getting from them. And um, you know, second season syndrome has always been um, prevalent with a lot of the signings. 
so I guess this was a step in the right direction, getting some homegrown talents back in the club with experience, with some leadership, which was sorely missed in the last few seasons. Uh, Kakret, as you said, signing an extension. Malo Gusto staying, um, getting promoted. Uh, Dubois, who had been a serial underperformer, um, showing the door, basically, um, who was the captain last season. So everything was moving in the right in the right way. I guess for me personally, I I still wanted us to make a signing. I had in the back of my head that Paqueta was probably probably going to leave, um, even though I thought it was the wrong decision. Um, I'm, I'm never a fan of selling your best players without a plan, mm-hmm. and it seemed like our only plan really um, in terms of arrivals was Lacazette and Tolisso, and it stopped basically there. Um, there wasn't an urgency to sign other players. There wasn't an urgency to even spend much money, even though those two players I just mentioned would have, they came on a free contract and they would have had a decent signing bonus for a club like Olympic Lyon. It's, it's still not enough. Um, I'm a firm believer in the, the way you go about the transfer window. It, it brings an energy to the club. It brings uh, a freshness and excitement. Um, even though some of those plays, you know, you're going to get some duds, some like, or uh, label flops. However, that, that ambition that a a good transfer window brings is something that can't be, um, underestimated. Like Mm -hmm. I noticed OM, but OM the last couple of seasons have made a lot of signings. And even though, look, they don't all work out the ambition and the motivation, it, it generates this excitement, but also this pressure in the club for players already in positions where new guys are coming in. They know that, you know, they're going to have to step their game up because they've got competition for their place. But at Olympic Leon, we've struggled to really grasp that um, effective player management that keeps players motivated. We seem to elevate players who don't deserve that elevation. And we seem to um, stagnate players that for whatever reason don't fit the criteria or the agenda at the time. Um, there's that never seems to be much, um, you know, forward thinking. Uh, we don't seem to think ahead very often. It's all in the now. It's all quite reactive. Um, so I guess this transfer window we just had was in a sense, again, reactive in that, in that sense. It was no proaction. It was all quite, well, if we get offers, you know, we'll deal with it when it comes. And we look, we sold our most creative player late in the window and our struggles for goals. So um, that, 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 that's fair. And actually, I want to I want to ask you a question about that, because because it's true. Um, you know, you got the two good signings and then it looks very reactive. And you would hope that when you know Paqueta is going, you have something in your in your sleeve that you're going to get out. I mean, it looks like it. the money was used to pay the salary of everybody else and maybe Tet. But is is it also maybe the, the reason is that the club was being sold and so they just wanted to get money in to make sure that it, it looks better because on one end, like you say, you, you didn't really use that money that you got from Paqueta. On another end, the players that you got back are players that you get back for the GNA story, etc. But it doesn't look like they are players that a better boss would have gone for to match his mm. playing style. How, how do you explain bo- both those things? The, the 
uh, yeah, I guess you, you mentioned the reactivity, but it looks like it's not even um, done by boss to start with the, the recruitment. And, and do you think this is the reason why um, they didn't spend that money again was because it, the club was being sold? Yeah, I, I've, um, I've been aware that the club was going through a sale for a couple of, um, well, <laughs> I'll say a couple of years, but I had kind of inside info for a, um, for a little bit, even though I didn't understand it much at the time. But um, I think the club has been operate, has, I think it starts with all us and his approach, his approach in the last, well, I would say it's, it's been on a gradual decline, but in the last two or three years, it's definitely dropped off. Um, his, it's been very clear his interests have been in boosting the the economy of the club, the bud, you know, the um, the worth of the club, and he's been doing it by any means necessary, which has been including player sales. So I think there's definitely been definitely been a step away from the ambition side and the sporting side of the club and definitely an increase in the business side. And I, I'll come now in hindsight, as we know, the type, the takeover is, you know, days, weeks away mm-hmm. that that has been their sole focus. And I, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think we, we might go into it later on, but there has been, a lot of decisions that have stepped away from the sporting ambitions or the sporting side of the club in the last couple of years and have gone to, towards that business, that business model. And yeah, I, um, it is, it is clear that this, this sale has taken the priority. Yeah. It's not, I guess it's not great to see as a, as a supporter. Let's talk about what we see on the pitch, which, which unfortunately is not, um, that much better. Um, what, what's going on? Why? Why does all this talent? Um, why is there all this talent? Should I say so? Unable to really play together, to really gel together. Is that is that just down to Peter Boss not using the players the right way? Is that um, does it look like there's a fracture somewhere into the locker room? Well, I think it's. <laughs> I think the problem has starts much much higher up than Peter Bosch and it's ingrained much deeper. Um, I don't want to go through the whole, the whole saga, but I, basically when Janino came, um, I saw the club have clear ambition and there was a clear focus on the sporting side of the, of the club. Um, however, it was very quickly abandoned. I, I felt with this, with the appointment of um, Ponsot, who was for all intended purposes as far as I understand, was the club's lawyer um, and an advisor to John Michel Olas. Um, he was given, I basically stepped in as what the role that Jean Michel Olas would have been in previous years, which tells tells me now in hindsight that that was Olas stepping away from the sporting side of the club, um, no longer having that. You know, he used to be the sporting director. Basically, he, mm-hmm. it was a clear sign to me that he was letting go of that. And he almost, we got Juninho in, who had a clear vision, knows football, understands football, is a great player for the club. And it seemed very quickly that when Silvino didn't work out, which was his coach at the time, um, the club didn't back Juninho. They basically abandoned everything Juninho was about and got Ponsot in. And basically that's when the sports ambition stopped for me. Um, It was very clear that Ponsot was all about 
keeping things tight. It was about the business side. Um, so there, there was an abandonment of the sports project. And I think, you know, years, years have gone and we're now here. And I don't think since, you know, Rudy Garcia, Bosch has had anything um, more to work with. I think the problem now is that we have um, Sheru, I'm probably not saying his name correctly, but and Ponsor. That's quite Sheru. Sheru. Both of them seem to not have really any, not going to say ability, but it's, it's just not the priority. It's just not, things aren't working. They're not for the club. And so I think there's no connection between them um, and there's no ambition between them. They're just doing a job. They're doing a job that they get paid to do basically like any of us would do in a nine to five, you know, there's no special, there's nothing special about them. They're not great footballing minds. They, they offer very little. They have no track record, really any considerable track record in um, high level football. Um, Shehu was basically, you know, kicked out of his previous roles. Um, so why we appoint him, um, we elevate him again. This is another example where we, we don't just elevate players, but we've elevated a, a member of management who doesn't deserve, hasn't got any credentials for it. Same as Ponsor. So then I, it's no surprise to me that Bosch doesn't work out. Um, he's, he's got definitely a lot to blame. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a great coach. Um, I don't think he's a coach that's able to adapt. I think he has his clear way. He has a clear specific idea and I think he needs specific players for it. And at anything outside of that idea, um, he doesn't have much to offer, which um, for a club like Leon, where we have a strong DNA, we have players that will always be there, a certain style of player that will always be there. There has to be a bit of that. And ever since he started, I think we we took his ideas on for maybe three games and it was abandoned and we've never seen it since. So we've never seen that high intensity pressing high up the pitch um, play style, that suicide ball that we saw at um, his previous at Leverkusen. Um, so that's just gone. It's, and now it's a stale, um, it's a stale flavorless style of play. We don't have any creation. There's no defensive animation albeit he doesn't have the players for it. And that's an issue that Sheru and Ponsor and Bosch clearly don't work together on signings. We don't make any, but there's no indication. There's probably also little pressure, um, little ambition placed on Bosch to get results. You know, there's probably very little um, reproach in the way we play. Um, it's just results. It's just result-based. All us isn't doesn't seem to be very interested in you know, asking Bosch why he's doing certain things. Um, there's no questioning. It's just he's doing a good job. We get all of his communications on Twitter, which basically tells us that everyone else knows nothing. Peter Bosch is doing a good job. Sheru and Ponsot work hard. We'll look for the next match. That's basically all he says. So I'm not surprised that he takes that attitude behind the, behind the doors as well. And, um, and I think we see the results for it. It's a tough one because it's always you know is is it the coach or is it the player if you give the right player to this coach is this coach going to be successful or is it just that the coach like you say because he lacks adaptation you want to have a coach that has a bit more of that and it looks like every season when a team doesn't perform and wants to keep their coach 
the message from the president is we are going to find him the player that he wants, which was what Ola said, mm. if I'm not mistaken, at, before <laughs> the offseason. It said we didn't give him the, the the right weapons to be able to to fight, and now we're going to give it to him, and, and eventually uh, it, it didn't happen. What what did you think of of Lacazette and Tolizo since since they've been back um, in the Lyon jersey? Oh, I I think Lacazette when he's had the service when when the games have been flowing, he has been quite good. He seems to be the only player that can that has a decent finish in him. We, you know, the finishing ability of our other attackers. Um, we don't have anyone that clinical, but where I, th- I see Lacazette is the most clinical. I think he's. He's definitely not the same player that left us all those years ago. Um, I think age has started to catch up to him, but I think he has adapted his game um, to to accommodate that. I just don't think we've seen it in the tactics, in the um, setups yet, but I think um, he's been good. I think he's been one of the most promising. Um, Taliso is still struggling to get um, back to full fitness, um, has shown that Again, he's not the same player that left us. He wasn't that. He's not that box-to-box um, guy that wins the ball high up the field and and can put a threat on goal. He's not that all-action midfielder anymore. He's much more of a um, sentinel style of player. Um, sits deep in the midfield, and I think when Bosch, I think Bosch has realised that he's not going to be able to play as that box-to-box eight as he at first intended. I think, and I think he's now more inclined to position him as that um that cdm that six so um i think once if he can get um, fit and stay fit and we can see him there i think that'll bring a lot to the team i think the team struggles to have a physical member in the midfield that's able to have the game in front of him and dictate the play i think Cacret and uh le Penant, um, are quite um, they're quite young, quite mobile, but they're not that physical presence that you need. You really need in Liga. Um, you don't need you don't need to be a to be a lumberjack physique to to do the role, but you know just to have that that presence about you. I think that's been missing. Um, but yeah, I, I found them to be quite positive. But I wish I could talk about more players, but since they're the only ones really that have come, that's I guess that's where, where we stop about. Yeah, so there's one more player offensively, and then I, w- I want to touch about the defense. Uh, offensively, that I'm, that I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about um, Ryan Cherki. Um, you know, he's been a yeah. uh, he's been a prospect for a couple of seasons now at Lyon. Uh, of course, everybody is asking for him to have more game time. We've seen him playing with the um, French under 21, uh, and he's been pretty good uh, during that just that very last international window and then yesterday he starts the game against Lens uh, and obviously I mean you know starting against Samed and Fofana is definitely not going to be easy for any young player uh, but he just doesn't perform yet uh, and I read here and there um, you know fans sort of complaining that maybe it happened too early etc what's your take on Cherki he just needs to to start like five six games in a row before we can actually judge his performances yeah, I think so. I've been pretty critical of of uh, Cherky, um in previous seasons, um, but again, I don't think he's ever really. He's always had players ahead of him, so I, I don't think he's necessarily had the greatest conditions or circumstances. You know, Leon hasn't been performing great as a team since he's kind of been on the scene. So I don't. I'm not surprised that 
you know, there are excuses for him and, and his um, lack of impact so far. Um, I think he's always shown that he, as an impact sub, he's been able to do a, quite a decent job. And I think this season has been his most productive. Um, I think he's got three assists um, in his three little cameos he's had um, before his um, start um, this morning. Um, but I found his his match against Lance, I don't know, I guess when he did get the ball and when he had the opportunity, like you said, there wasn't, you know, it was quite a difficult task. And considering the lack of movement around him and the, the lack of impetus of the, the lack of cohesion in the team, I felt individually he'd, you know, he, he wasn't that bad. You know, he was playing in his ideal number 10 spot. A lot of the time you see him play on the wing, which he does a job, but you know he's not a winger. He's a, he's a nine and a half kind of uh, Fakir-esque star player, the Ben Arfa. He's in that same mould. And I think we just need to play him there. I think we just, you know, we don't have a creative option anymore. Um, Awa is completely shafted. Um, he's being given the... the um, the bench treatment. So I think, you know, for a team that's devoid of any creative impetus, any, any, um, any style, I think you've got to have him there. You know, he's, his, his style of play, he's not the, the type of player like Ben Arthur before him, Fakir. They're not, they're not going to give you, you know, a 10 out of 10 match every single time. They're going to try the difficult stuff. They're going to, and, you know, you, you play them for that one time out of 10 times they try something for something crazy to come off or something beautiful to come off. And um, I think you just have to have him there. Um, you know, I'm not going to excuse him and say he's perfect. I mean, if we had a better option, I would be saying we use a better option, but there just isn't. Like Jeff Rand Adelaide, he's, uh, he's, he's not there. He hasn't played football for a long time and mm-hmm. – he struggles to make that impact. Paqueta, um, he was really our only creative player before he left. And I, when we knew the sale was coming, I think I tweeted out saying, you know, he didn't have any, he wasn't decisive on the day, but every single creative action that came from him in the match started with him or he was heavily involved in it. And even though he didn't, he wasn't there for the assist or the goal, you know, it was something that he did, whether it was a dribble, whether he won the ball back high up the pitch, um, there was always something there and we don't have that now. And Turkey's not the style of guy. He's not the type of player to, to win the ball high up. He's not that style, but you know, you find him in that pocket of space and he, he only needs, you know, half a meet, you know, he only needs that little bit of bit of space to make something happen. And we saw it a couple of times when, you know, when he's, when he's pushed and when he's forced to, he'll play some, he'll, find that way to make that space and to make something happen. But I think this morning is a good example of just everything that's wrong with Leon. And when he would get the ball, it was, there was no movement around him. He was completely isolated and it felt like at times, especially against Lance, um, it felt like they had 38 players on the pitch and we had four. There we were just completely outnumbered in every sector, every aspect of the game. And when Cherokee would get the ball, there was, no options. When Lacazette would get the ball, there were no options. And so expecting them to do anything but make an easy pass was, you know, a bit foolish. Like there was nothing for for them to do. And you saw that in, I think we had a, a 0.12 XG mm-hmm. for the match, which is the third 
lowest in league on this season and for players that we have it's just not good enough and so but yeah i think i think turkey had by default to answer your question in the long <laughs> way um turkey by default has to start basically because there's no one else that offers what he does yeah he's got some magic in his fits and and i think yeah with the uh it's a good good comparison fakir ben Arfa. those are players that have only started shining once they were in full confidence and we've seen it again with Fekir last year doesn't start great at Betis and then finishes, or sorry, middle season, I should say rather, he was just a god in Spain just because when he's when he's in confidence, he's unstoppable. And I think Sharky might be um, that, that, that same kind of player. If we look at the defense, there is um, a third recruit there, um, Talia Fico on the left side. And then you have on the right, Malo Gusto, who's been given the front role, who maybe Again, he's probably a bit too young to tender defensively at least, but offensively, he does bring up a lot. We've seen, of course, um, the, the defense, um, Thiago Mendes, the former midfielder who is now a center defender, uh, and next to him, Lukeba. And then this morning, finally, um, Joe Mende was back into the starting lineup. Uh, and I thought that he's shown that he probably deserves to be in that starting lineup near, uh, near Lukeba maybe a bit more and give Thiago Mendes a bit of a rest in a position that is not his, although he's been... He's been okay, Thiago Mendes, especially against Paris Saint-Germain. Long story short, in that whole defense, the, the best player and maybe sometimes the best player in Lyon, which is not always a good sign, is Anthony Lopez. And this morning, without him, it's probably uh, a 4-5-0 or loss because Lance has so many chances that Lopez is able to, to, to steer away. Of course, he got that red card, that stupid red card a few games back uh, that, that put him aside for, for a couple of games. And we've seen... Uh, the, the ancestor Ryu um, putting the gloves on uh, for the first time for Lyon. Uh, but but it doesn't seem that it's all sorted. I mean, if anything, the two fullbacks are probably better offensively than defensively. Uh, and, and still that issue that you have to rely on young, inexperienced defender to try and make it. It doesn't feel like it's good enough to be where Lyon needs to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Talia Fico has been... I think he's been a, a fairly decent signing, even though I was a bit critical of his um, the manner in which he arrived. He seemed pretty hesitant and not thrilled to join the club, but with a lack of options, he basically said he's here. So um, it seems to be against the whole uh, the whole idea of this um, transfer mm-hmm. window, which was to get players that didn't want to be mercenaries and wanted to be attached to the club. But um, I'll digress. Um, yeah, I think I agree. The um, Gusto has been, you know, he's young. He's an attacking fullback. Um, again, he's probably our, without Shirky, He's probably our most creative, out, our our biggest creative outlet um, in the team. Just him crossing the ball in from wide um, and his and the threat of his speed. And I mean, it's not enough, but it's that's his that's his um, style. Um, but defensively, he's not there yet, and he probably the club needed to um, give give him an option um, or have an option there. I, I should say, um, give him that competition still, because I'm a firm believer that young players need to have someone there pushing them or even guiding them. Um, obviously, Dubois they have to be a bit better than Dubois, but um, so yeah, I think. The defense has been an issue, and I think finally with 
Diamonde coming through, Diamonde and Lukeba, who's been outstanding, probably our best player. And with Lopez in defense, um, I think they're the two that we look forward to. And um, like you were saying, without Lopez, uh, yeah, our season would be drastically worse. And I mean, Lance, and as, as an example, as it's so recent, was a they deserved a lot more from that match, and to keep them only at one nil from a penalty is testament to how um good Lopez has been. I know he he has a lot of haters, and he has um he has his loyalists. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm kind of in between. Um, I don't I don't love I don't necessarily love him, but you can't deny exactly what he brings to the team. And I think yeah. in a team like ours, you kind of need you kind of need that for the good and the bad. Um, you know, there's a bit of character there. Um, so, yeah, he's been he's been good, and I think apart from Lukeba, he's been he's been a bit of a rock. So, yeah, you need you need the the dog to put everybody back in place when uh, yeah things don't go right, and Antonio Lopez definitely feels like he is that leader as well. And if you can back it up by uh, by good performances, it always uh, it always helps. Uh, I mean, it's all it's all you know, it's all a bit grim um, for for, uh, for a Lyon fan right now. Although although you're still seventh on the table, uh, and even though the the top four is performing well, we, we do know that in Ligue 1 things can can go quickly. What what's the solution? Is is it changing the coach, changing both? I mean, I know that you you say that the issue comes from higher up, but I don't think higher up can be changed just this second unless when when Sextor do. By the club back, he decides to uh, uh, to rough every every single feather available. Um, what, <laughs> Fingers what do you crossed. Think is, yeah, I know, right? What, what do you think is the um, what do you think is is the light at the end of the tunnel for Leon right now? Well, I think it's a pretty long tunnel at the moment, and uh, the light's pretty pretty dim. Um, if you can <laughs> see that, I think the budgie's running out of air. So, <laughs> to put in a mining reference, um, um. I think Bosch is, I think it's inevitable he will go. Um, he'll be the scapegoat, of course. Um, but I, I I wouldn't want to be the new coach coming in, that's for sure. Um, he's going to have his work cut out for him. He's going to get no help. Um, he's going to be looked to as the saviour or the expected to be the saviour, uh, which we know he won't be because all us will inevitably be the one that picks him. Um, so, but I think... Bosch's time is definitely gone. I don't think the players play for him. And all the things we've said about the lack of um, backing the management have given him, um, all that being said, I still don't think he does his part well. Um, I think to praise a couple of coaches that I haven't liked in the past, Genesio and Garcia, um, I will say that Garcia, for his lack of tactical, was a great motivator. Um, he re- he got the best out of guys like Paqueta. Um, he got the best out of a guy like Cadoere, who seems like he doesn't know what football is at times for Leon. Um, under Garcia, he was scoring goals and and performing above his his skill. Um, so I think, and even with Genesio, he showed that he was able to unite a team. Um, I think that's one thing we can praise him for you won't see me praise too much of him but um i think that's what he did he did unite a collective quite well even though um it was full of short term um yeah i think that's something he did well um bosch seems to do none of that and 
I kind of wish he would have just backed himself and stuck to his style and not worried necessarily about the pressures. Um, he seems to be too worried about keeping his job. And when we signed him, he seems to not be that style of manager. He seemed to be, he, he talked a lot about attractive football and there's no point playing football unless it's attractive, it's attacking and it's high intensity. And I think once he finally came to Leon and realized that we have fairly blase players, quite, um, I wouldn't say we're the hardworking, um, industrious style of player. Um, I think he realized he had his work cut out for him and that his style wasn't going to do. So um, hopefully a new coach comes in and I guess can just get play to the player's strengths. Um, Something that I've been, again, critical of Bosch is that we mentioned Gusto. Um, Identifying your best players and putting them in in their best conditions, I think, for me, a three-back makes sense with the full-backs we have. Um, having Gust- no, like like Lance um, with the, did with Klaus, um, I think we've seen that Klaus in a four-back isn't as effective as he was in a three-man defence. But I think yeah, you see a guy like Gusto, and while he's not there defensively, you stick a three-back behind him and let him give him the freedom to create. I mean, he's the only guy that's really threatening um, that's able to do that. Um, Tagliafico. Um, you know he's he's quite he's much more that um, he's much more of a stable fullback. You know he doesn't excel in any one area, but he does. He has strengths in both. Um, and then I guess when we see that when we see Gusto overlap, we see the, the best out of Tete. Uh, we see the best out of players like Dembele, Lacazette. There's more there's more movement. There's more freedom in the middle when the defense is drawn out that way. When they've got to worry about the speed of Gusto, they're they're committing another demand on him. We didn't see that against Lance. We didn't see, you know, every single Leon player had two, three men on them. There was there was never the threat of anyone else. So, I think if a co- the new coach comes in, he looks at the the key players, looks at the players that are going to get you goals, that are going to um, that are going to stop goals, that are going to break up the play, and putting them in their best positions, creating a system that gets the best out of the players. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's something that's not really happening at the moment. And so um, I guess that's what, I'd, what I would like to see. But um, long-term, I think hopefully the signing of – I think we're all hedging our bets and um, on this this sale and this um, takeover by Texter and, and that um, – all us and all these all these boys leave the club. I think that's where we're at now. Um, it's a bit like thanks for the thanks for the years of service, but uh, your time's done. You know that forced retirement. Um, the old guy at work that gets the boot. I think that's kind of the, the sentiment we're feeling as fans now. Is that you know Ponsor and Cheru are kind of seen as his minions, and we kind of want them all out. So hopefully, you know, Texter can kind of give us that revolution that we've kind of been wanting. We kind of wanted it with Juninho and it was taken from us, I guess. Um, And so that's what we're kind of waiting for now. I think that's where the light is, but it seems, like I said, it seems distant. (laughs) Well, it seems like Lyon will be probably the club with the, uh, I guess, more interesting is the world, the most interesting World Cup break. Six games between now and then. Um, They're playing Toulouse, this weekend and then 
a bit of a, a, bit of a harrowing um, series. Rennes, Montpellier, Lille, Marseille, and Nice up until Oof. that, that um, famous World Cup break who we'll see, I think, a lot of change in Ligue 1. Sam, thank you for spending some time talking about Lyon. Uh, I mean, it was very informative. I mean, and again, I... I knew that before we, we talked uh, <laughs> about Lyon, it wasn't going to be all uh, rainbows and, and positivity because of the situation Lyon is in right now, but I'd rather have it raw and I'd rather uh, you know hear it from people who really care about their club, uh, what they feel now. So thank you for taking the time to, uh, to come in Castellini and, and to talk about Lyon, Sam. Yeah, no worries. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and there'll be definitely uh, an episode that's a bit longer where we'll focus a bit more on Lyon. Hopefully, uh, when, when things are a little bit uh, better. Thanks again, and, uh, and uh, part two is coming soon. Fingers crossed. Thanks, mate.